What's up, guys? Welcome to another exciting edition of Real Estate Podcast, episode 328. I'm here with Griffin. I'm here with Trav. And I'm here with Adam. And this week we watched No Country for Old Men. <laughs> I mean, the Rev, that's Seriously. what I was thinking. Dude. Yeah. Fuck that. It was crazy, right? I would have just stayed on the farm, dude. Yeah, I mean, right. Fuck those pelts. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, DiCaprio didn't catch a break. Oh, no. He caught one at the end when those Indians didn't kill him, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do y'all think he was going to die? Uh, well, he only got stabbed in the leg, right? I mean, after all the other shit he had been yeah. through, there's no way, right? Like, well, well, I, don't I, do I remember that bad medicine on him. Like, I remember originally, like when I was well, the first time I watched it, I was like, "All right, he's gonna see it through," but like once the mission's done, he's gonna fucking die or succumb to whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting at any moment. Because, like, he just gets over the bear attack, has a, a crazy fever. Mm-hmm. The dude that nurses him back to health gets hung. Then he gets ran off of a mountain. He guts the horse and crawls inside of it. Like I mean, he goes full tall talk. He did. Yeah. yeah. He got naked. He did like, full tall talk. I, the whole time he's in that water, I'm like, that shit's got to be cold as fuck, dude. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. ain't no way. But they were built different back then. Yeah, right. They didn't feel pain, you know? But, yeah, this is loosely based off of a true story. So there's an there's actually a guy named Hugh Glass. He was a frontiersman, fur trapper, trader, hunter, explorer. Um, best known for his story of survival and forgiveness after being left for dead by companions when he was mauled by a grizzly bear. Uh, so it says that Glass and the rest of the Ashley Pantry or the Ashley Party eventually returned to Fort Kiowa to regroup for a trip west. Um, Glass surprised and disturbed a mother grizzly bear with two cubs. The bear mm. charged picked him up, bit, slashed, and lacerated his flesh, severely wounding him, and forced him to the ground. Hearing Glass's scream for him, uh... Yeah. Several of the party made their way to Glass and killed the bear. In words attributed to another trapper, uh, Hiram Allen, who was at the scene, the monster had torn the flesh from the lower part of the body and from the lower limbs. He also had his neck shockingly torn, even to the degree that an aperture appeared to have been made into the windpipe and his breath to exude at the side of his neck blood flowed freely but unfortunately no bone was broken and his hand and arms were not disabled the men were convinced glass would not survive his injuries nevertheless they carried glass on a lifter for two days but doing so greatly slowed the pace of the group's travel uh, Henry asked for two volunteers to stay with Glass until he died and then bury him. Uh, Fitzgerald and a man later identified as Bridges stepped forward, and as the rest of the party moved on, began dragging, uh, began digging his grave. Later, claimed that they were interrupted by attacking Arakara. The pair grabbed the rifle, knife, and other equipment belonging to Glass and took flight. Fitzgerald and Bridges later caught up with the party and incorrectly reported to Ashley that Glass had died. 
there's a debate whether Bridges was actually famed mountain man Jim Bridger. It says here that despite his injuries, he regained consciousness but found himself abandoned without weapons or equipment. He had festering wounds, a broken leg, and deep cuts on his back that exposed his bare ribs. Glass lay mutilated and alone, more than 200 miles from the nearest American settlement at Fort Kiowa on the Missouri River. Glass set the bone in his own leg, wrapped himself in a bear hide his companions had placed over him as a shroud, and began crawling back to Fort Kiowa. To prevent gangrene, Glass allowed maggots to eat the dead, infected flesh in his wounds. He crawled back in real Fucking life. Fucking Bear Grylls ain't got a shit on I this mean, motherfucker. I mean, let's take a minute to acknowledge like that. It takes a smart motherfucker to realize, you know what? Let's, let's let nature kind of do its thing, but not do yeah. its complete thing that results yeah. in my fucking death. You yeah. know? So the 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 boy, that's just kind of added. For... Yeah. Yeah. It says that after he got back, it says after recovering from his wounds, Glass set out to find Fitzgerald and Bridges. He eventually traveled to Fort Henry on the Yellowstone River, but found it deserted. A note indicated that Andrew Henry and company had relocated to a new camp at the mouth of the Bighorn River. Arriving there, Glass found Bridges, but apparently forgave him because of his youth and then re-enlisted with Ashley's company. Glass later learned that Fitzgerald had joined the Army and was stationed at Fort Atkinson in present-day Nebraska. Glass reportedly spared Fitzgerald's life because he would be killed by the Army captain for killing a soldier of the United States Army. However, the captain asked Fitzgerald to return the stolen rifle to Glass, and before departing, Glass warned Fitzgerald never to leave the Army or he would still kill him. According to uh, Yant's story, Glass also obtained $300 as compensation. So in reality, like he tracked these dudes down and forgave them. You know what I mean? Like, so there was a, you know, they, I've got the book and I've read part of the book. I haven't read all of it. And there's a lot of, you know, embellishing on Mm -hmm. on fact. Um, but I mean him, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he did have a kid, I believe by a native American lady. Um, and he was kind of part of a native, native American tribe, like, a little bit, you know what I mean? Like yeah, as much as you could remember. be. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah they, they didn't. They didn't sit there and stare at him when he rolled up. Yeah. Like, so he was, you know, he was. I mean, it's kind of fascinating, like the real life stuff, because it's like he crawled his ass two hundred miles in the snow and mountains to get back to. Uh, to this fort. Then he hunted the two guys that abandoned him down and forgave them. I mean, well, he was know, gonna kill the one dude, but yeah, yeah. Army was like, well, yeah, easy. Like, we'll get your gun back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like he rolls up and he goes, "Oh, you're gonna have to stand in line while people shoot at each other." Shit, that's gonna do the work for me. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, you know, it's a remarkable story, true and you know, cinematic, but. When you remove the microscope, this freak shit's been happening throughout mankind, man. Like, you know, there's, it just goes to show you that there's those freak accidents that go down. Yeah. Because, I mean, in all, I mean, in all circumstances, the, like, most people don't survive a bear attack. Mm -mm. No. And And in the event, 
and, and to to survive a bear attack that's as vicious as his was because i feel like whether you know the movie made it you know you know dolled it up obviously for entertainment purposes but just i mean there's only so much a bear's gonna do in its attack mode and all of it's fucking awful yeah and the fact that he survived in 1823 abandoned attacked by a bear survived it crawled back 200 miles to get there and was like let's let the maggots do their thing we're just gonna like roll with it as much as we can and gets back and gets like nursed back into at least i'm gonna say the mileage might be a little bit embellished like that's that's a long way to crawl man yeah i mean it'd take you which i mean he might have been able to walk yeah i mean eventually yeah but when i saw him crawling when he after it first happened when he was trying to crawl away when the indians first got there i was like oh that leg's fucked up because it was bent yeah, yeah. Like sideways. I was like, oh, yeah, he ain't walking on that. Yeah. But by the time, whenever he come out of that hut, he was like, shit, I'm good. I mean, I don't know yeah, what right. that dude put in here, but. <laughs> well, as far as the movie, though, uh, well, I know this being your first watch, Adam, what'd you think of that, that sequence with the uh, the raid sequence where the Indians hit the tri- or the, hit the encampment and. You know, he starts on foot and he's running, and by the end, he's on horseback. Oh, yeah, and like, he hops on that horse. You know, classic long shot, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, it was na- good. Well, like they rolled up on him, he was sleeping. Like, they, they were only able on to... Yeah, they only had a certain amount of time in the days where they could shoot that sequence. I you think. could tell. Y'all, y'all mentioned the natural light before, you know? Yeah. You could definitely tell. Yeah it made it so much more surreal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just sitting there and like with all natural lighting with the dreary days, with the snow, with everything else that's going and the way, and the fact that like they did it during winter, it's like, okay, that's like its own light diffuser, you know, Mm -hmm. built in light diffuser right there. You know what I mean? That's also its own, behind the scenes special in and of itself filming filming a movie with minimal 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 to no lighting and just having to go with what the earth gives you yeah right i mean i mean it, it's it's how frontiersmen of them you know yeah in my mind it was a completely different story though and i don't know why like from the trailer when it came out just hearing everybody talk about it i was like oh okay well He's just a guy in the middle of nowhere alone. No. And a bear fucks him or fucks him up because everybody was making a joke because they did get behind him like, hur, hur. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe the bear thinks he's choking on something. Yeah. But it stood on his head. Yeah. Pushed his butt. Like, oh yeah, man, it's... it fucked him up. How good was fucking Tom Hardy? So good. <laughs> he's always like... good. He is, but like Jesus Christ, come on, boy! That dude's got voices. Yeah, like he's Man, always he coming out of little, left field with shit. He'd do that little, yeah, like he just when he's acting, he'll, mm. you know, yeah. he really gets <laughs> yeah. into that character, man. Because yeah. I'm like, hey, ain't no way that was in the script. He just did it. Yeah. Um, but every now and then, like he's got a good Southern accent, dude. Every now and then he'd say something. I was like, oh, he did it right. Like, yeah. 
in a yeah, different he, voice. Yeah, right. Than the other ones I've heard him use. He he fucking knocked it out of the park, man. Like, and that's the thing. Like, whenever you talk about the revenant, I mean, of course, like the bear scene. You know, that's what everybody talks about. But like, there's so many layers. You know, there's so much stuff going on with you know with the revenge story that's happening, the bear attack, him trying to survive the whole conflict with the native American tribes, like Indians looking for his daughter. Yeah. Turns out the French got her. Yeah. The French. Whenever he let her free and he was like, here's the knife. I'm going to get the horse. Yeah. Have at him. She's like, I'm going to cut your fucking balls off. Yeah. Fuck. Um, I'm like, why didn't he get her and leave? Like she could have helped him. Yeah. You know, if he would have had her, he wouldn't have had to, because right after that's when he had to run. Yeah. When he was sleeping. It's like, man, she would have been there. Yeah. But that ain't what happened. No. And then them fighting with them, them muskets. Oh, yeah. Like, gee, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, well, you, uh, I like when he refilled it and he put a little bit in his mouth and spit yeah, it in there. Yeah. And I was well, like, oh. After rewatching this, though, like the director, like we're always pointing out the long shots that he does and and whatnot, but I think his ultimately his gimmick is let me just throw as much shit at you and just kind of overload you, and then and then kind of smooth out in the middle for a second, and then well, he kind of pans just, around it. Yeah, do that pan where it's like where they're in all those trees. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit! Yeah, when well, they I mean, first get attacked, he... though, like I had no idea he was part of that company, and him and the, his sons out there killing the moose, and they hear the shots and they go back, and then it's they're being attacked, you know? Yeah, yeah. Boy, those Indians was fucking those dudes up. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's that almost really like cool. it's almost like if you want to have the most intense day at work as an extra, you'll be on one of his films. Yeah, because like your ass isn't going to just be sitting at a table in a bar, look busy, or you know, flip through these records at this record store scene. It's like, no, nah, man, you're going to be fighting motherfuckers in the background, and yeah. not not as much dialogue as no, no, you know. Oh yeah, very, like it's it's definitely a very movement based film. Oh, and the scenery, I love when they do, you know, like westerns. Yeah. Watched a couple. Watched a western last night. Watched one tonight. Tonight it was Nevada Smith, I think, with Steve McQueen. But uh, it was in like '66. But they're out there in like Montana. You know those big mountains. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tarantino, cool. yeah, yeah, Tarantino did that big time, especially in Django. And it's yeah, just, with that, what was that camera he used? It's a lot of those, oh, those, yeah. those that seventy millimeter those big wide, yeah. yeah, those wide shots. Well, dude, those like mountains, that, like that Sergio Leone shit. They look like a painting. Yeah, like it don't look real. Well, no, yeah, and and but but also, I would argue though, like if you have a good placement. And your tripod doesn't suck, you kind of got to force yourself to fuck up a shot like that. Yeah. I've been around some big mountains like that, dude. And they just, when you look at them, it's like, whoa, that's, 
It's very it's beautiful. Right very there. And it, it's like, like it's so far away, but it doesn't look like it's that far away because it's so big. Yeah. Well, it's almost like it's a it, it, it's a piece of cardboard being held up, and you could just flick it with your finger, and it's going to fall over. And a Monty Python esque way of explaining yeah. it, you know. <clears throat> he's a he's a phenomenal filmmaker, and like he come off a of Birdman with this, you know what I mean? And like, I I didn't know anything about the story, you know. After watching Birdman, I'm like, I'm down for whatever this dude's doing, you know. Um, and then you find, you know, Leo's in it, Tom Hardy's in it. It's also got, uh, the dude that played Adam Warlock, you know, mm-hmm. it's the, the guy from star Wars and ex Machina's in it. Like it had a phenomenal cast. It's got you know? the dude from Peaky Blinders that plays Arthur Shelby. He's the one, whenever the captain comes in there and asks where he's at and he puts that gun behind him, he's watching, he's like, hold on now, Cap King, you know? Oh, yeah. Hold on now, sweet old. Well, like, I mean, the guy is more or less, like, he's he's almost the new Aronofsky. Where, yeah, where you see, like, like, when you're watching his films, like, you're seeing the events play out, but since it's such a complex narrative, you're like it, it's good about putting you in the head. He's good at getting you in the headspace of the film. Yeah, the same way oh, yeah. Aronofsky. Like when you walk away from either filmmaker's films for a couple of hours, you're probably going to be in a mood. Yeah, right. Like seven out of ten on that, you know. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's good shit. It is. It is, man. Yeah, I'm. It, it's took like a story of a dude, you know, that uh, you know, got attacked by a bear in the middle of nowhere, and of course, you know, it was based off that book. And I, like I said, I've got the book and I've read some of it, and just like the way that he made something so beautiful out of it, you know what I mean? Like it's a revenge yeah. story and all this, and you've got all this, like, you know world political you know at that time political things that was kind of happening this that and the other but just like those moments of like him just completely at odds with everything and just surviving because of just his perseverance you know like it is just i don't know well i mean and also i mean to add on a production level because i mean yeah i mean all that narrative stuff yeah that's good and that, that, that that's there and it's it's what makes the movie for sure but his attention to detail and his production team, I think, or his costume department, I think, like, to me, they're part. They're partly the crown jewel because in all of his films, there's a level of detail to everything. Like in yeah. the in the in um in like in Bardo, uh, whatever it had the shot of uh of them walking through the uh, the estate and that war's breaking out. Yeah, like all yeah, of the costumes, really cool. like everything looked fantastic, and even in this shot, like every all like it wasn't like the 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 people who were getting the most screen time got the most detail, and everyone in the background just kind of got like kindergarten Indians and cowboy shit, you know? Yeah, and it's just I don't know everything. It looked like like a lot of a lot of attention was put into that, and that was because I mean. 
when I was watching it just go around, I wasn't paying attention really to Leonardo DiCaprio. I was looking at every, like just everything going on behind him, all that kind of shit, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And just it's when you with his films after that initial watch where you're like, all right, I'm on the journey. I'm finding out what the fuck's going on. When you do the rewatch for his shit, you're like, all right, I can take in all this other shit I wasn't really focused on. I mean, like a typical rewatch, of course, but like particularly with this guy, it's worth it because it's like going back, like you're in a museum, you see all these wonderful paintings, then you go back to some that you really like and you're like, whoa, I didn't notice this or whoa like the you know the level of detail that you like just little shit like that man yeah yeah what i really like too man is um it's cool to see like updated movies like this because you know they used all used to get westerns well i mean this could have been this easily could have been this could have easily been a vhs in the 90s oh it was a straight up western even go back but it just looked better like yeah uh, you know like whenever um he did hateful eight Django, it's like okay, yeah, 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 because it's been a while. Wasn't Hateful Eight um, part of the competition the year this movie came out? That would have been twenty fifteen. Like yeah, I think so. I feel yeah. like they were around this at least within a year or two. Themselves. I think they came out the same year. Let me make sure. Hateful Eight came out in twenty. Yeah, they both came out in twenty fifteen. Yeah, it was a Hateful Eight, not Django. That was twenty twelve. And they both came out around Christmas, I think. Yep. Well, it was like, do you want complete serious Western or do you want serious Western written by Tarantino? Mm -hmm. Yeah. More dialogue. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of talking. Yeah. We're going to be in this room for a while, guys. Pull up a chair. Well, dude, I could have said those scenes where they're sitting around and Hardy's fucking, you know. Yeah. Spinning no yarn. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about me for these pelts, you know. Well, it's that, like those—it's those shots and dialogue moments where it, there's there isn't a lot of, of of talking, but it's just the atmosphere, and it's almost like you you could pull up a stump and sit there and start whittling with them, or you know just listening to them. Yeah. Well, here's one thing that I did really enjoy about the flick. I do like the way that the director and the writers handled the subject matter between the frontiersmen and the native Americans. There wasn't like a strict bias as to like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You saw, you saw the horrors from both sides and because seeing the horrors from both sides, they present it to you as like, you know, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind kind of situation. It's like, you know, get, understand both sides of it and you may lean more towards one side or the other of course but like the way that the the director and the writer chose to kind of fart that line of like we're going to show you how fucked up both sides of this was and we're going to let you determine you know your thoughts on you know all the all the information that we're giving you well you know there's there's also i mean there's you know we're not short on on stories particularly where you know, they take that uh, objective standpoint, mm-hmm. and they 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 le- like like you're saying they leave it up to the audience member to be like, all right, here's what happened. Yeah, what do you agree with? Where do you align? Like, choose yeah. your own adventure. That's that. Yeah, and yeah. 
I think he did a great job with that too, for sure. Yeah. I mean, because like at the end of the day, like it was just it was interesting to see both both sides and both perspectives perspectives of it. And then also like how Hugh Glass, the character, is trying to navigate this world where he doesn't necessarily agree with how the Native Americans are being treated, but he also realizes that he's not a part of the Native American tribes and he'll never be a, you know what I mean? So he's like, he's riding this line as well, where he's just like, I want to be a good person regardless of who you are, you know, and do what's right. And, and it was just, it was well done. I was, I was really going back and rewatching this in today's world. It's like, they did it right. Well, I mean, it came out in 2015. So at that point, the idea of, giving just the blank slate view of stuff has already, you know, was already in the works. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what's the, what's the best way to put it? Like, I'm going to use the buzzwords because it's the only ones I know. I don't have a more eloquent way to put it, but going on what you're saying about the native native Americans, it's a level of racism but without the level of without the layer of supremacy it's not a viewpoint of one is better than the other it's just just, yeah yeah. you're not me you'll never be me i'm not you i'll never be you because they ran into the french they're gonna have problems i mean yeah and so those differences that that will slip through the cracks regardless of how kumbaya the world is like movies like this that show that that cultural distinction. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the world's better for getting this kind of view of something like that. It shouldn't be just, all right, well, we're watching the native Americans. So all the white people, settlers, the white man go down or watching a movie where you have the settler show up and it's like, Oh, it's the bloody savages. Like instead of doing those, because I know that, I mean, there's room in the world for those movies, clearly, depending on who your uh, MC is. But these type of films that, that, that do that that type of gray area where you you get to just see it all, I don't know, it may, it, I felt like it just added to making it a, a much more accessible film. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of people probably saw the cover of the movie and was like, all right, we got a white Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. playing a frontiersman. Not watching. I mean, but if, well, if and you the can directors get... of, you know, Ford compare it, he's not yeah. an American. So it's yeah. nice to and see I mean, somebody come in like that, that does that. Like he gets the whole, you know, in that other yeah. movie, he did the thing where they were coming to Mexico. Yeah. Well, it's like, he's a, he's a filmmaker first and a, Social commentator second, yeah, and I, you know, and and, and I mean, in hindsight, from twenty twenty three, that's very respectable. Yeah, absolutely, I agree hundred percent. It's just, and it's because of things like that that's going to make this film compared to some of the other things that are being released in the last well couple of years. It's going to have more relevancy moving forward. It's going to be well. A timeless. Well, I mean, keeping on par with the filmmaker, though, and hollering and hollering, calling back to Bardo. 
you know, it's not like he is just not going to weigh in some sort of, you know, thing, but the way he approached it in Bardo was very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like whenever it's showing the, uh, the platoon of, uh, of, of soldiers, the, the kids that, that, that died, they did the final stand thing and, you know, they're sitting there talking to one another and dude looks over at me and he goes, yeah, right. Figure Mexico to take a failure and turn it into a victory. Yeah. Like just little off the cuff shit like that, or whenever he's talking to dude on that pile of corpses, like there's a, you know, I, I guess I'm not walking back my statement at all, but I guess to some, to to add to it, you know, he does make his little points of like, you know, message, but it's yeah. not in that forceful way. It's in it's it's to enha- it enhances the movie. It doesn't layer to the movie. Yeah. But yeah, I, I very much enjoyed this movie, man. And I mean, it's just, it's, I could put it on at any point and watch it and never get tired of it, you know? And it's, uh, for it to come out at the time that it did, we're halfway through the MCU. You know, we've got a couple of, uh, we, we've got some Star Wars stuff going on. Uh, we've got, you know, all this other stuff. For it to come out at that, point in time and be as well made as it was and to be as timeless as it's going to be moving forward was just i don't know it's just great he did a fantastic job everybody involved and what's funny is like you know leo in this movie was married to a native american or they were in a relationship whatever they had a kid and that new scorsese movie yeah. He's married to a Native American lady. Mm-hmm. And it has to deal with the Native Americans and oil and all that kind of stuff. So it's you know, it's interesting that he you know, seven or eight years later he's going back to it, you know, so Well if this movie had came out twenty years before the advent if it came out in ninety five instead of 2015 i would probably argue that this movie would just kind of it wouldn't fade into obscurity because it's got dicaprio in the front and center but i would see it achieve some sort of cult status amongst like the survivalist movies you know right uh not because it's bad or anything but just because like if you took the kind of movies we're getting now and you were to put it out there, cause I mean the digital age, like, yeah, like these, you know, movies that came out a long fucking time ago really don't seem that long ago now, just because of the ease of access to them. Yeah. Whereas like back in the early, you know, back in the nineties and early two thousands, it was like, Oh, you want to watch this movie? All right. Good luck finding a video store. that has got it. Yeah. You know, they had it maybe the first couple of years and then they slowly bargain bin their, their movies down to where they have one or two copies on the shelf. And then they, you know, just all of that, dude, so many, so many good movies have had, you know, where the movie store had that extension of, of, of that longevity for a movie's release. It was also just a slow walk to its death or to obscurity anyway. Yeah. I mean, Wolf of Wall Street was released 10 years ago. Like, let that sink in for a second. 
It came out in 2013. Well, after he did that's, the Revenant, of course, you know, he was on Little Dicky's music video, what his voice was, but <laughs> it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. He took a little break there. Yeah. Um, I think he's picky. Yeah, I think so. He's going to be in another survival movie. Um, They've already, him and Scorsese's already lined up the next one. Yeah, I, I wonder. Uh, I got that article. I Hell yeah. For the movie news. yeah. I wonder why DiCaprio did, like, steers clear from sci-fi. He's also going to play Rosebud. Because don't, don't Look Up doesn't count. No, definitely not. But, um, like, because he always, he, he's, he's, he's dug into that drama. Well, he I likes mean, to do, he, he likes to do drama or psychological. Inception has sci-fi as a tag. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, I don't still really think sci-fi me. when I. Yeah, but it you know it is, but I don't really. Well, it's like I don't consider Tenet a sci-fi movie, and it's about time travel. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's like a James Bond movie with a. I guess. Budget. I guess more specifically, <laughs> why does it, like I, like you've never seen DiCaprio on a spaceship? No, you see him standing next to Daniel Day Lewis. Well, he's got a plane. <laughs> well, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Play. Yeah, Mister Climate play. Change over here. Yeah. Well, I mean, like for instance, what if uh, what if DiCaprio had did Interstellar instead of uh, McConaughey? I think it. I mean, I would have loved it either yeah, way. He probably you know? turned it down. Yeah. To be fair, no, they hit yeah. him up. It's like, like <laughs> Leo, come like, I just don't understand. Well, it's, it, well, it's almost going? like he's got to have a role where there's some book he can go read about it. Yeah, right. He definitely does his homework. Yeah, and it, and I mean, and I, meaning is well, no, like there's a history book on it, I guess specifically. Well, I mean. Killer Killers of the Flower Moon was based off of, I mean, it, of course, based on true events, but there was a novel that that's what Scorsese is adapting. Mm-hmm. Um, this, uh, Wolf of Wall Street was a novel, you know, written by Jordan, yeah. whatever his last name is, Jordan. Um, but I mean, you, you do have those random ones in there, Inception, things like that, where it's just like Shutter Island was based off of a book. So I mean and I mean I guess I guess where I'm getting at is that he's got range, but he's almost still boxed in in a way. Well, he likes to do those Oscar picks. Yeah. That's what he likes. But I mean he's still attached as a producer for uh Akira, so I don't know. I give him 10 points on the teeth because at one point you get a close-up of it and it's like, man, that bottom griller is fucked up. That's something <laughs> I always notice in movies like this or westerns or stuff. I'm like, his teeth are way too nice to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm giving it a full star. Full star, man. I mean, what's the hate? Yeah. I love Full it. star. Would watch more, you know? So Ahsoka, I watched Ahsoka. Did y'all get to, y'all get mm-hmm. to pick Ahsoka up? 
um enjoyed it like i didn't i've watched a little bit of like clone wars things like that but never sit back watch the entire series any of that kind of stuff um so not really knowing a whole lot like you know of course we've seen her in mandalorian and things like mm-hmm. that but um not really knowing the character as much as like a lot of people know the character still really enjoy it L- like her performance love the other people that are involved in it mm-hmm. i like I like Favreau's approach, or not Favreau, but Filoni's approach to how he's handling the characters. Um, and this is one thing that that I did kind of pick up on everything. It's like all the villain, all of the main characters are all female, except for the one guy that died. Yeah, the yeah. one. Yeah, and. This feeds into like what we've talked about before, where it's like it makes sense, right? And everybody's doing such a great job, it doesn't feel forced that you can melt into the immersion of the story. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's just Filoni is. He's done it so well, which he's had years to play with these characters, right? Because all these characters come from Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever, right? So it's like he's he's built those stories over time. He's built these relationships over time. And the way that even though I haven't watched any of that stuff, sitting down to watch this, you can see those relationships, those pre-existing relationships are there. And you can see that there's been some weird struggles and things that's happened with these characters. Nothing feels forced. Nothing feels really out of place. It just feels, it feels like it's done correctly. And that's what I wish that like Hollywood as a whole and just anybody that's working on projects, whenever they get everything back up and running again, is like, I want it to feel natural. I don't want it to feel forced. And this doesn't feel forced to me. No, and maybe I'm in the maybe I'm by myself over here. I mean, Trav, you watch Rebels and Clone Wars. What do you think about it? I liked it. I didn't have a problem with it. I really I mean, liked it. I, I mean, I know I know y'all probably saw the criticisms about like Rosario Dawson's acting. No, I didn't see that. But I think that's just splitting hairs. Just I don't. Yeah, that's just. That's just people wanting to be mad about something. You know who doesn't yeah. get enough credit? I believe it was in the second episode. The chick, the green chick. Oh yeah, her droid. Yeah. No, her droid. Oh, dude, yeah. It was like he was almost like you could almost understand him. Yeah, and he he's was like, like you "Where is it?" Yeah. yeah, I didn't move it. It's under the battery. He looked. He went, "Oh, like yeah." <laughs> he was like banging on the thing when they were shooting at it. I liked his attitude. Like yeah, I was like, "All right, he's cool." This is one thing, and Trav, I hope, I hope that you, you're you're picking up what I'm throwing down here. Whenever she shows up to that temple in that first episode, drops down there, does the little puzzle, the Zelda music plays, she gets the orb, yeah, and then she comes out of it, and that robot is walking up. The way I don't know how they do it, but the way that they make the droids and robots like especially those move 
in in their live action series makes me want a Samurai Jack live action series so fucking bad because that's how those char- that's how the robots and stuff moved in Samurai Jack and it makes me want that so bad you know I've learned to hold my breath on animated adaptations man I, but I see what you're saying but yeah I love the way that they like you know he had the like the cloak on and and the wind was blowing and it was just so like it was borderline anime, but reminded me more. It leaned more to the Samurai Jack aesthetic oh, than it did. I would, anime. I would, I would argue, and I've talked about this with friends before. Uh, I would argue that Star Wars is the closest to Western anime as it's going to get. Yeah, I could see that. As far as long form storytelling, narrative, all that stuff. But yeah, man, I liked it. I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. And dude, it sucks that that guy passed because Ray Stevenson's his name, right? Yeah. And he's that guy. He yeah. he was the most interesting character in the show. Yeah. And like you know, when he shows up in anything, it's just like, oh, this dude's here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, look, the later seasons of Dexter were what they were. But he was the highlight of that season of Dexter. You know what I mean? Him yep. just like Rochambeauing around, showing up to the police station. You got nothing on me. You know, like, it. I, I sad day, you know, that that dude passed. But he is killing it. I love the way he looks. I even like his apprentice, too. Like, what's yeah. she about? You know? Well, I like yeah. them. <laughs> I like that there seems to be more to what, to what they're doing rather than just like of course it's some sort of city level bullshit where they're gonna try to amass a bunch of power of course but the way the way that they had like whenever whenever he was given the kill order from the not sister to kill ahsoka and he was like that's a shame there's not many of us left like that level of respect and like you know, yeah. he he realizes that like force users are few and far between, and that's uh, I don't know. That was just a little that that line was like okay, like there's he's got that warrior's respect thing going right. on for him, and I and I dig that. Well, and and not only that, but also like, you know, this is taking place between, um, uh. Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, right? Yeah. So it's like you have the two most powerful Force users in the galaxy, in the entire fucking everything that exists, are dead. And it's like it's interesting to see the perspective from someone that's like, well, if the Jedi doesn't exist, then the Sith technically doesn't exist by extension. So we're just, we're just people with these, like with these powers and this code. It's like, it doesn't mean anything because there's not, there's not an order there. There's not a Sith order. Yeah. There's not a Jedi order. There's nothing. And it's well, interesting. A, well, the, well, like the line, whenever him and his apprentice show up and, you know, they're all like, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then he dons the saber and he's like, yeah, I'm no, I'm no Jedi. And he kills that guy. Yeah. Well, that that is a mirror reflection of a scene, uh, I think in Clone Wars, 
where because uh, the whole thing about ahsoka is she the key thing you got to know about her as far as outside of what y'all have seen live action based anakin was training her mm-hmm. before he became vader um bunch of shit goes down and ahsoka is like she's one of the first jedi to see the hubris and was yeah. like fuck this i'm out yeah and there's like a moment where you know just like any other story where someone's like all right i'm gonna put the sword down fucking go be a factory worker or some shit like that she kind of has a, a similar plot yeah. thread <laughs> right <clears throat> and you know gotta go get the sword out you know let's fucking do this shit again and she she says that she goes i'm no jedi so it reflects it reflects an earlier thing she did so it's a callback to the clone wars in a way i think right but you know to add to what you're saying is that yeah they're just they're like they're, no one's looking at it as like as far as the galaxy is concerned there there are no jedi there's no sith there's just the jedi and it's luke yeah yeah right he's the, i mean he's the only one that that, that that's known galaxy wide at this point because he's the only one that you know killed the Survivor. emperor and yeah. vader yeah which we know the whole you know without delving into the you know the, the same old song and dance we all know about luke and vader yeah i've been enjoying it though i mean it looks great you know and i don't have a i didn't really have any issues with like her acting or anything like that i mean she just kind of was doing the same thing that she was doing in the other stuff like so well it's a whole lot of i'm thinking and i'm not gonna let you know what i'm thinking till the scene yeah. needs needs for me to explain it you know yeah right like, and i mean all protagonists go by that thread to a degree most of the time hell i mean that's that was part of the charm of the fucking mandalorian yeah right so yeah. people got upset with her for acting yes yes pretty much i mean <laughs> yeah now you know when it's animated there is no i mean people have they just do that with their now i i get it that they made a point to show from multiple fucking angles that uh bottles were missed but mm-hmm. sabine getting stabbed by a lightsaber and living through it at first i was like eh, anytime i see that most of the time they did yeah yeah no, that was kind of yeah. 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 It was put well, what's his name in one? Uh what's his name? Uh Boba Fett, remember? Yeah. They kept oh, she's, yeah, and she's from she's from Rebels, I believe. And so Well she's I knew definitely whenever, gonna be the title of the Mandalorian, right? At some point. Yeah, so yeah, so when yeah. that yeah, because she's she is Mandalorian. Yeah. Um so whenever she got stabbed, just kind of knowing a little bit on her history and stuff, when that happened, I was like, ah, April Fool's. Like, right. But, I mean, her, like, and I never understood this about Star Wars, because uh, the same thing happens in Mandalorian. Like, all of our main characters stay so fucking far away from the city <laughs> like they're yeah right. they're, they're like they're, there's never like there's never a sequence where like they they go into their apartment in the middle of a bustling you know yeah 
back can city or whatever like no she's gonna get on this hover bike and like have to drive really really fast to cover a long distance they want to see yeah. if when somebody's coming yeah you can <laughs> well, I mean, a long way in every direction it's like well like i almost like by the end of the by the end of the second episode i started calling this the show instead of ahsoka i started calling it ahsoka because mm-hmm. there's so much ass shots in this show oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. that it's like Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, and I mean, as a dude, I wasn't even looking for, for this, but it came to me and it was yeah. like, I mean, thanks Filoni, I yeah. guess, but like, yeah, I looks mean, nice in those pants. I mean, for, I mean, if it's going to be eight, it's going to be eight hours of like, well, I mean, remember <laughs> always keep in mind and attack of the clones, all that skimpy ass shit that fucking Natalie Portman was wearing. Yeah. George yeah. Lucas had, had to approve it. Yeah. He was like, Can so, you make it smaller? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're like, sir, she's 17. It's the most <laughs> uncancelable property out there. So it's like the, the dude's like, I have an ass fetish. I think it what all can goes I say? Back to princess Leia. Yeah. And the princess costume. Anybody that grew up, Slave and I roll the skimp out. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, or man, the bed sheet's almost a little, a little better. I'm down with whatever when it comes to that. <laughs> oh man. So we can't leave out the space cats, right? Dude, man, uh, I called it. I was new? calling it. I was calling it. I was calling it the. It's a spat. The. No, I was calling it kitty chicken. <laughs> it does kind of. It's had the. Had the feet of a chicken, man. So we haven't seen these in any other thing else, right? Like it's a, it's a new. It was I mean, cool. the way it, that it was acting, though, it was hissing. I was like, yeah, that's a. I mean, I want to evolve it and see what its final. So she's form a cat lady. Pokemon. Excellent. Yeah, she's like, oh, I miss Ezra. I miss hmm. him so bad. That thing's over there, like cooing. <laughs> and then they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> You know the ending to Rebels? Yeah, we're just going to tell you that, like, yeah, he didn't die. He didn't die. He just went home. Wrong guy. See this galaxy over here, y'all? <laughs> Your boy's there. Because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah, that, it's going to be a case of Thrawn and him had their big, like, you know, they they basically reenacted the, the ending to Quantum Mania where Paul Rudd's like, I don't have to win. You just have to lose. And they fucking, they did that on Thrawn's ship. They get sucked through a black hole. They're spat out in another galaxy. And it's like, okay. I like the whole, uh, the witch thing too is kind of cool. How they put Um, that in. Yeah, the the Knot Sisters. Yeah. that's That's a pretty cool little deep dive because the Knot Sisters ultimately um and i don't know if y'all have heard this outside of the pod or not the night sisters uh, are a direct link to darth maul um whenever uh that whenever darth maul's brother works for the night sisters there's a point where they, they go looking for him and he finds maul and it's after you know he's obviously been severed uh by obi-wan and um they find him in this like decrepit fucking cave. Uh, and the coolest thing about what Maul did was 
his hatred of Obi-Wan was so strong and his connection to the force was so strong or to the dark side. It is, um, he assembled like these almost spider leg looking thing for his lower half of his body. And he held it together by the force just for fucking years in that cave, straight up living like Gollum, basically. And having to constantly be using the force like that over and over and over and over and over, it drove him fucking crazy to a degree. So whenever the Knot sisters and his brother, Savage, roll up on him, he's fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Pups in this fucking cave. And they're like, uh... Like, the brother even looks at the Knight Sisters and is like, you know, uh, fuck, dude, what do we do, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, but, I mean, that's, in a in a nutshell, like, that. that's that's part of their overall connection. I mean, there's more to it, but as far as relevant information that y'all would be like, oh, okay, worth, worth knowing. I've been enjoying it. I'm kind of excited for the next, for the next episode. You yeah, know the, where it goes. Yeah, I don't know. They've they've done the the Star Wars shows so well, even the ones that take a little bit to get started, like Andor. Mm-hmm. On program. Yeah, they've done a great job at like filling the stories out. That was it too. In- By the time you get to Andy Circus, you're on program with the show. It's like okay, mm-hmm. I'm in. He's just reinforcing that idea. Yeah. Keep your heads forward and your mouth shut. They just killed everyone on floor B2. <laughs> shut your mouth on program. Yeah. You know nothing on program. We got an end we got an inmate that rolled a crit. We've got to get out of here. On program. We got a little bit of movie news here. So Friday the 13th franchise heads to Max in time for Halloween. So Max is kicking off the spooky season with numerous horror additions. Jason Voorhees fans can rejoice as most of the Friday the 13th franchise is included in the list of Max's uh, fall and arrivals. Eight of the original 10 films will arrive uh, at the streaming platform joining Jason Goes to Hell, which has already been available on Max. The first eight franchise films, Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th 2, Part 3, Final Chapter, A New Beginning, Part 6, Jason Lives, Part 7, The New Blood, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, will be available this Friday, September the 1st, meaning there will be available, they will be available in time for uh, Friday the 13th Halloween Marathon. Should you enjoy the film franchise in its entirety, you'll have to venture out of max for the last three films. Jason X is available to rent um, along with the crossover film, Freddy versus Jason and the 2009 reboot Friday the 13th. Um, the reason I bring this up is because like other than Jason goes to hell, I don't think these have been on streaming at all because of the whole rights issue that they were having with Friday the 13th for a long time. So it makes me interested to see if like, are they going to try to, is this, is this a telling sign that they're going to try to do another Friday the 13th movie soon? And I, I could definitely, I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it. I it mean, it's depends. just, yeah. Someone's I mean, going to come along and make a banger, dude. Mm-hmm. Like that Hellraiser movie, the predator one. Yeah. 
I mean, like, here's the thing. Either it's good to be, man. or it's not. And if it's not, you just throw it on the pile where the rest of it ain't. Like, well, yeah. they tried. I mean, a lot of people felt the same way about Halloween. 2018 Halloween. And at the and I'm I'm at that same point as well. It's like if somebody comes along and they make it, I'll peep it, see what I think about it. We'll do a pod about it. And then either it'll go on the pile with part three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know. <laughs> like it'll go on the pile with the rest of them, you know, or it might be something that I'm like, hey, like let's check out let's watch this new Jason movie. So so yeah, I was. Uh, it's gonna happen at some point. Just like you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. We'll get another one of those. I'd say within the next five to ten years. Same with this. So hopefully the rights issues are all fully worked out and they're able to at least do something. Because I know that they were working on a Friday the Thirteenth series again. There, you know, there was a movie in the works well, and all that kind of got shut down. So. I would I would argue that if they're going to remake any of those or try to reboot any of the classic slashers again, I think they should take the same route that they took with with Predator. It needs to be just more or less, I mean, with obviously like movie channels and stuff, you know, clearly we'll be in the know of, of a film's production, of course. But overall, like, it just comes out, it's a completely different take. Like, it's so far, it's so, there's there's been enough time and enough separation between w- what was and everything that, like, it'll be able to subvert expectations. That's what I'm saying. Right. I was presently surprised. Yeah. Predator Prey movie, was, so. Prey was great. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody might come along and fucking just kill it. So my question is, is like, if you, if someone approached you and was like, Hey, we're thinking about doing another Friday the 13th movie. Mm -hmm. Do you think that it would make more sense to try to reboot, reboot the franchise? Or do you think it would make more sense to try to do a legacy sequel? I say a complete retelling, call it crystal Lake. Tell the story of Jason with different characters. Keep some of the similar beats there. Re pay, don't redo don't redo iconic shots and scenes, but pay homage. Yeah, and make the story worth a fuck. Why do I give a shit about these people dying at a fucking camp? Now, if if you were to do that, Trav, would you combine? one and two and tell both, try to tell both those stories in one. I would tell, I would tell up to the point where you realize that like, it's going to become a, like almost to borrow from Halloween, it's going to become a generational trauma. Like just because the immediate people that create the legacy of Jason Voorhees, um, happens, I would end it in a way to where it was like, Oh fuck, they're dead, but it ain't over, you know? Right. Maybe that's too safe. Yeah. But well, I feel like it's the I feel like for slasher films, safe is smart. Yeah. 
Another question. What was y'all's thoughts on the 2009 remake? Boring. I don't even remember it. Because it was I went boring. to the movies. I didn't hate it. I got to look it up to see some who was in it. Oh, it's free on Tubi. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate it. I went to the movies and watched it. I bought it on Blu-ray. Uh, it was cheap. Um, yeah. You know, and I liked that their I liked their approach to it because there was some really cool behind the scenes stuff and interviews on the DVD with the director where it's like, whenever they were doing Friday the Thirteenth, they had to really decide if they wanted uh, Jason to be like this supernatural entity or if they wanted him to be more grounded in reality and kind of this force of nature, kind of like what Michael Myers is. And they went with like a force of nature thing, so you know they put all those tunnels and stuff. Yeah. as his means of like traveling around. And it's just interesting that they took the time to kind of think through that. It's like, okay, how are we going to present it? Cause it was going to be multiple films and it just, well, didn't... I, I, I would think a better option would have been to leave the viewer to decide whether he was supernatural or a force. Yeah, like leave right. something for the viewer to chew on, man. Like we like films keep, there's certain stories where, yes, you need to explain everything because what happens in movie A is going to affect what things can be done in movie Z. Yeah. Like, define your universe. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. But, like, with the horror genre, like, yeah, you want to have exposition. Uh, you're there for the blood and the action and the gore and the frights and shit. Yeah, Sure. But you want you want to be able to have if it's something if it's something in like the slasher genre, being able to leave something op- open to interpretation is like okay, when did the killer of uh, Jason's mom and subsequently Jason end, and where does the supernatural aspect begin? Like have like a moment where you could debate like this is when it happened, but just let that be something that the audience can chew on because it's going to make the movie have a way longer lifespan. Yeah, yeah. So I'm interested to see what happens. And that's why I dropped this in here, more or less, is because maybe they're getting everything straightened out and we may end up seeing a Jason movie sooner rather than later. Um, And I'm interested to see what they decide to do with it moving forward, so... Next up here, Martin Scorsese and Leo to reunite for Shipwreck movie, The Wager, will be their next project. So following the release of this year's Killers of the Flower Moon, seminal director Martin Scorsese once again unite with Hollywood superstar Leonardo DiCaprio for The Wager, author David Gran has confirmed. Gran, who is the writer behind the nonfiction book on which the movie will be based, The Wager, a tale of shipwreck, mutiny, and murder, has revealed that the wager will in fact be Scorsese and DiCaprio's next project, which is surely reason for cinema lovers to be excited. News of the wager first emerged last year, but Grant has now confirmed while speaking with the French outlet Telerama that Scorsese and DiCaprio will reunite for the project and that they're, and that the pair will begin work on the shipwreck tale after killers of the flower moon, making their seventh feature film collaboration. Set in 1740s, Wager's story is set in motion when a patched-together boat with 30 emaciated men 
uh, landed on the coast of Brazil. The official synopsis for David Grant's book, The Wager, a tale of shipwreck, mutiny, and murder reads, the men were their surviving crew of British ship that was chasing a Spanish vessel and had crashed onto an island in South America's Patagonia region. Their tales of surviving the seas and elements made them heroes. However, six months later, another vessel, even more beat up than the first one, ended up on the coast of Chile. This one with three men. These new sailors charged that the other men were actually mutineers. Grant is also the author behind the book uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, the Asage, I can't ever pronounce that word, Asage, Asage Murders, and the birth of the FBI on which the upcoming movie is based. His latest, The Wager, has already been a bestseller for several weeks. While further details regarding The Wager remain unknown at present, it is possible that with the plot involving a large group of characters, we could see a stellar supporting cast assembled alongside DiCaprio. Bring Hardy back. You know what I mean? I want to see oh, what yeah. voice, you know, you got to scrape the poop deck. In yeah. There. You know, like. So Leo's going to definitely play the captain. I mean, that's. Yeah, I, I, mean, I would think so. Yeah. yeah, it's. You don't hire him and make him fucking first no. hand. No. But I, I think we talked about this, that Scorsese was trying to get the rights to another book that was written by the same guy that did um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they work so well together. I'm excited to watch this uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, so, yeah, we get some more Leo. We get some more Scorsese. Yeah. Hopefully we get some hardy action. They got another one in the works. It's Roosevelt. Sounds Here's like you're describing one. a wrestling pay-per-view, Griffin. <laughs> I mean. I mean, we got some hardies coming in. We got some sizey, dude. Like, the tag team titles on the line, man. Like, fucking two rings, six cages, five tables, and three chairs. Dude, gotta it's go going to be a, a bloodbath. I mean. Hardcore know. title on the line, you know. Like, someone's yeah. going to die. Yeah. <clears throat> and then be resurrected. On the third um, day. <laughs> so Henry Cavill's Highlander reboot gets a long-awaited update from director. There so can only be one update. Huh. Uh, exactly, right. So fans of Henry Cavill have had a rough ride in the last year, with the popular star having departed his two much-loved roles, Superman and The Witcher's uh, Geralt. While the actor is now set to appear in a Warhammer 40k project for Prime Video, he is also dipping back into the fantasy genre with a reboot of Highlander, which has been very quiet in recent months. In fact, some had started to wonder if it was just going to be another disappointing no-show, but thankfully this appears not to be the case. John Wick Helmer Chad Stileski will be directing the new take on the Christopher Lambert-led movie franchise, and during a recent interview, he shared a long-awaited update on exactly how the project is doing. Although there is probably still going to be quite a wait for uh, the final product to surface, given the ongoing actors' and writers' strikes, Stileski told the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast that it is certainly still coming. This is what he had to say about it. I think we have some very good elements now. The trick is when you have the tagline, there can be, there can only be one. You can't just kill everybody the first time. I'll say it for you. I'll say it for you. 
I'll say it for you first. Our story engages a lot of the same characters and stuff like that, but we've also brought in elements of all the TV shows, and we're trying to do a bit of a prequel, a setup to the gathering, so we have room to grow properly. Certainly sounds like Stileski is not just setting his sights on Highlander being a one-and-done affair, but as we know, plans like that can very quickly slide if the numbers don't add up. However, with Cavill fans hungry for something, uh, for something fill the Witcher size hole that is being left by his departure from the franchise, Highlander could benefit massively from the circumstances. Witcher, Witcher size hole, get fucked, man. It's see Superman. But anyway, like, dude, motherfucker plays a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. He's a nerd. For crying out loud, when he got the role of Superman, he's too busy playing World of Warcraft. Dude's a millionaire. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. He's clearly doing whatever the fuck he wants. So, as a fan of his acting abilities, I've given up on expecting anything out of him. If it comes out, I'll watch it, but I'm not going to be like, oh, let's hope. Oh, man, he's working on this. He's working on that. Well, There's it's, still people it's on now. IMDb now. It's there's still people now that are still like, man, Henry Cavill ought to play James Bond. And it's just like, all it's right, in I'll reload. I'll do the reload with you. Um, if you uh-huh. go to the guys, um, dude, he's got, dude, the only thing this guy's ever directed is all four John Wick movies, right? Yeah. Now, of course, he's but doing I mean, the stunts on the Deadpool 3. Yeah. But this dude has 11 titles lined up to do. Yeah. John Wick made so much money yeah. that they're like, oh, what do you want to make? And he's like, I got yeah. a list right here. He's like, dude, I've got a playlist of synth wave that I've been dying to put to some scenes. Like, mm. let's do this. And, uh, that's just wild. Yeah, for sure. Well, he um, made them, a, I mean, at least a billion dollars, right? If not more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I would, but it's happening. It's yeah. on here. Got Cavill listed. On... Got riders already. He's he's working on this. Is what he's got in the pipeline. But Rainbow Six with Michael B. Jordan. Seriously, um, Ghost of uh, Tsushima. That's in pre-production right now. That would be interesting. Any of those? Any of those? Um... Wait, never mind. That's not a that's not a from software game. It's well it I think it's the closest thing that you can get to a from software game without it being right. Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, that company needs to have their products turn into a film. Everything from Dark Souls to Elden Ring, uh just what little bit I've seen of Armored Core Six, like they nail gameplay and like a cinematic feeling mm-hmm. far better than any Western company. Far, yeah. far. So Do the I, company. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I see what you're saying, dude. Like when you see him, it's Superman. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. he's, he's he said Superman in the sea. It's like, yeah, it's Henry Cavill. I mean, when you look at him, you're like, Oh, it's Superman. Yeah, I mean, he... I mean, he got really stuck with that one. And, I mean, dude, I mean, Not hey... Not a bad thing. 
if you're going to be top cast as yeah, anything, sure. you're top cast as the the and he's superhero. Up there, you know, like the motherfucker, man. Like you're a one man Avengers. <laughs> like, like the only reason anyone is like teaming up with you is because you're depowered. <laughs> like you're you're right. so. I mean, it's a good it's a good hero to be uh, top cast as. Yeah, and you know he. I've enjoyed all of his his stuff, man. Yeah. Um, I remember as far back as uh, like well, with the exception of Tudors, because it's fucking Tudors, man. But um, Immortals. I mean, it's it's fucking HBO, dude. It's old shit and sex. Yeah. That's what that is. I mean, yeah. It's Game of Thrones without the dragons. I mean, that's and what it's like. Are you shit, going? Yeah. It's There's like, the guy, are you going the, to? The main guy, I can't remember his name, but he did a really good job. Like, good acting. It's like, are you going to abdicate the throne? No, but you're gonna like, fuck oh, me for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, sex, it is, isn't it? But um. No, Immortals was a good film. And that's the thing, though. I'm a sucker for the Greek mythology films. Um, Grew up on the Harryhausen shit, so, I mean, I'm kind of a little biased there. Right. But, yeah. So the company that made Ghost of uh, Tsushima or whatever, they're the company that made the Sly Cooper series and then the Infamous series. Wow. yeah. How so, and drastic. That, and that so they they released the game on the 64 called Rocket Robot on Wheels in 99. Then they released the first Sly Cooper game in 2002 and they did all three of those up until 2005. Then released Infamous in 2009. Released all the Infamous games up until 2014 and then in 2020 released Ghost of uh Tsushima. The Sly Cooper tutorials always like they still haunt me to this day. Sly, press triangle on the controller to do a blah blah blah. <laughs> like it was like being narrated by Pee Wee. Yeah. Press X to jump, Sly. <laughs> press square to do a super sneaky attack. So talking about prey here, the the director, prey director, would love to include Schwarzenegger in the sequel. Um, so Prey director Dan Tract- uh, Trachtenberg has declared that there is still time to add Predator star Schwarzenegger or Predator 2 star Danny Glover to whatever Prey sequel may eventually emerge. The director behind the prequel, uh, the Predator prequel, Smash Hit, was recently asked whether, despite Prey being set in the 1700s, uh, there were any, ever any conversations about bringing Schwarzenegger back into the fray and whether there is a chance of adding Schwarzenegger in a future movie. I don't know how to do things, but I'm learning how to do things. I did learn that there was an attempt to have Arnold in Predators. All I'll say is there's still time for those guys. They're still around, and wouldn't that be awesome? <clears throat> Speaking with Variety, Trachtenberg admitted that he does not yet know quite how to do things, suggesting that he isn't yet sure how he would go about bringing Schwarzenegger Glover back for Prey 2. But the filmmaker is learning, meaning that now the idea is in his head. He may well begin to explore how exactly Schwarzenegger's major Alan Dutch Schaefer could once again face off with the Predator. Schwarzenegger leads the very first Predator, which was released in 1987, 
but despite several attempts to bring the action movie superstar back into the franchise, he has yet to return. Danny Glover, meanwhile, plays LAPD Lieutenant Mike Harrigan in the 90s, 1990s Predator 2, and while his character does not hold the same iconic weight as Schwarzenegger's Dutch, it would no doubt make a crowd-pleasing moment to see him in the franchise once again. Here's how you do it. Time travel? Well, not really, but yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not, It's not. hey guys, hop in the box and let's fucking no, have shenanigans like with time. And back and time but it's back. space. It's yeah. fucking space. The expanse of space. Have it where these motherfuckers that killed off that predator, well, fucking mothership shows up and is like, nah, you're exquisite. You're coming with us. So like Ooh, they're a predator, you know? Like have Adrian, I mean, and even call back to predators have Adrian Brody of uh, all of them. Like they're they they all get picked, and like they have it to where the predators are like, here's the evolution of these hunters. Oh. Like you have them as from the 1800s, you have the chick from Prey, you know, up to now, and, and you're like, like this is their, zoo. yeah, yeah, and they have to, or or you know, and, and it doesn't have to be as on the nose as that, but yeah, you have where it's different like levels of difficulty the whole the predators set. well like as the predators are going through these different trials because i mean i don't know there's no myth there so you could create that myth where it's yeah. like hey when predators get to a certain advancement we send you out and when we do you're going to end up at earth at this point in time because space is fucking space you know yeah earth go hard yeah mm. i just i would love a old school version where you got old man dutch with a cigar and we just get a good old-fashioned if it bleeds we can kill it call back yeah i mean that's the only member barry i'm interested in with predator yeah i mean other than motherfuckers taking that fucking gun going i'm gonna have me some fun i'm gonna have me some fun i mean they they could do it but i don't know i don't even know if like it made sense if there was a way for them to to do it, if he would even come back. Oh, probably not. I mean, but I mean, you know, wishful thinking. I mean, he'd do it if the script was good. If it was I mean, a cool only way, if he, he'd do it. If he takes zero damage. <laughs> I mean. No, here's how you get Arnold Schwarzenegger to do it. You go, hey man. He's like, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in the Predator films. I've already done it. Been there, done that. What's the next one? You said the same thing on Terminator. They're like, oh, well, they sent the same script to Sylvester. He goes, I want the role. I'll take the role now. Give me the role. Right here, son. And all it is is just like a soundboard, Arnold Schwarzenegger, where where they go, Sylvester got a a script too, and he goes, you son of a bitch. He's like, yeah, nobody's going to do it. (laughs) Robo Boggy, baby bombas. Well, last up here, Dune director hopes to make a trilogy and adapt Dune Messiah. So there was recent news, and I'm sure it goes into it, that uh, Dune 2 has been pushed back. So after successfully navigating the challenges of a post-pandemic world with the first installment of Dune in 2021, director Dennis Villanuevo, I don't however, is on track to, to complete his adaptation of Frank Herbert's 
seminal science fiction novel. With Dune Part 2 slated for release in 2024, the filmmaker has now expressed his intentions of taking the saga further by adapting the novel Dune Messiah, thus completing what he considers to be his Dune trilogy. Villanueva's ambition, ambitious journey began with the attempt to transform Frank Herbert's intricate novel into two epic films, despite initial reluctance from Warner Brothers to film both parts consecutively. The approval for Dune Part 2 was granted after a successful box office performance of the first movie, albeit with a six-month delay. The narrative of Dune doesn't end with Paul Atreides' ascendancy, as Herbert penned several sequels that expanded the lore of the desert planet Arrakis and its mysterious sandworms. Brian Herbert, the author's son, continued his father's legacy by contributing additional volumes to the series. Villanueva, enthralled by his expansive universe, aspires to delve deeper into the cosmos by adapting more stories from, uh, from the Dune saga. In a recent Ooh. interview, in a <laughs> right, in a recent interview with Empire, Villanueva expressed his desire to rectify the portrayal of Timothy Shamley's character, Paul Atreides, in Dune Messiah. He maintained that the novel's creation was a response to the view of Paul as a hero, a feeling not reciprocated by the author. Yeah, Dune like, was, no, dude, like, he's, like, like, Dune is not meant to, I mean, I didn't take it as a good ending. Right. Uh, Villanueva's adaptation will reflect Herbert's original intention of issuing a warning rather than glorifying Paul. He acknowledged the uh, esoteric nature of the subsequent books, but confirmed that a script for part three is partially written. This is what he explained. If I succeed in making a trilogy, that would be the dream. Dune Messiah was written in reaction to the fact that people perceived Paul Atreides as a hero, which is not what he wanted to do. My adaptation of Dune is closer to his idea that it's actually a warning. I will say there are two words on paper. Yeah, because because as the Dune story goes on, like Paul is a straight up tyrant. Like he, you could like he's it's in that category of characters that. But, like, you're watching a bad person's origin story, in a way. Right. So. I mean, so, and he, I don't know if it's still on the on the table, but he was making Sisters of Dune, I think, was that TV series yeah. for HBO. I think that he was, that. yeah. So I'm not sure if that's still going to be happening, but I would love for a trilogy to come out because I know the Dune story. I don't know Dune Messiah. So I would be interested to see. I would, I would like, if they're wanting to establish like a, like a world or a universe, cinematic universe or something like that. Um, I would like to see them do the, the Butlerian Jihad. Cause that sets everything in, in motion like that, that, that chronicles the first, uh, Muad'Dib, like the first person oh. to conquer the sandworms and you know all that shit. Right. Boy, you know who's pissed? That motherfucker's probably like, they wouldn't let me split the movie up. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it made Today, me put everything at once. It's, it's crazy clown it's time. It's a high of ninety-two and partly cloudy. 
with a light breeze from the south. They wouldn't let me explore. No, nah, but um, oh, yeah. no. So there was a really cool thing about that 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 prequel book, though, <clears throat> is that where Dune, like, if you wanted to make a Dune movie on a budget, just go buy you a bag of sand, go by the bait shop, buy you some worms, get you some girl that can hold a note and have her sing in Arabic. And just film it as you're like filming the sand, you're throwing the worms on it, and it's like, <laughs> you know, that type of shit, you know. Mm. But um, uh, that book though, it kind of jumps back and forth between being on Arrakis, and it's like, yeah, where where the sands at, and then it cuts to space where it's like, you're you're seeing how an artificial intelligence is ruling all of these inhabited worlds. And I always thought it was a, it was cool because it wasn't an omnipotent AI. Like, say, like each like there was a ship that was always in transit to all of the worlds that had this droid on it called Erasmus, and that's the character I'd like to see on screen uh, because he would go around in this ship updating the AI to the most recent one. He'd go back to the core world, get the biggest update, go to all the other worlds, update their AI. So it would seem like they're all omnipotent, but they're all, it's all still secular. They just, you know, big brothers there. Right. And Erasmus has a curiosity with humans where, like, I'll put it this way. It goes like it'll, it, in one chapter, it went from homeboy getting kicked out of his tribe. He runs into a cave. He sees the sandworms and he's like, I'm going to ride that bitch. Then it cuts to space. Dude's sitting there like straight up. I think of Michael Fassbender when I think of this character when I was reading it. Like David from Alien. Yeah. Because he's sitting in like this computer. He's hit or this, this or like not computer, but this really like elegantly decked out minimalistic room. You're hearing like old ass fucking music playing like Beethoven or some shit like that. And he's just sitting there musing over mankind, like emotions, like what is an emotion, blah, 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 blah. Like a computer dwelling on the human experience. And there's just this, he's got this fucking dude just tied up in that room and he'll just walk up to it, grab like a, like a splicing knife or whatever, and just fucking just cut a chunk of his skin off and hear him screaming and fucking agony and all that kind of bullshit. And he's just like, Hmm, that's interesting. Chart a course for this world computer, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay. And fucking take off to it. Like he's psychotic, but you're like, it's just, he's so fucking, he's such a robot, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, that was just a, 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 that was one of the more interesting aspects of that book to me was just how weird that robot guy is. We'll get to I'm, where there's, we'll get, we'll eventually get the Cymex where it's like, it's the brain in a jar, right. but they're like these big, like centipede looking robot guys, you know, and they're, and they all fucking suck off ancient Greek mythology. So like, you know, one dude's name's Agamemnon, the other guy's name's fucking like <laughs> Perseus right. Cletus the seventh or Maximus fucking, you know, that type of shit. Yeah. 
So I'm interested. Like, I'm hoping that Dune 2 does good. I do want to go watch it in theaters. I wish I would have went and watched the first one in theaters, but unfortunately... COVID. That, yeah, that wasn't in the cards, but... I would. Well, it's I, I gonna do. be back for the next one. Don't worry. <laughs> well, oh, you mean co- okay? Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, like, I was like, they're bringing it back oh, when they yeah. release oh, you, movie? Oh, oh, you don't know, Griffin? It's the four-year re-release anniversary edition. Man, it's gonna be thirty minutes of extra footage you didn't they're see like, in theaters. We, so we took the flu and remastered it. <laughs> we put it in a still special box. features. <laughs> yeah. It's that D, it's yeah. that DJ Khaled remix flu. You might need an iron lung. <laughs> and another one. But that was all the movie news that I saw. I mean, it's you know, everything's kinda dead right now because of the strikes that are happening. So I saw that I saw this We knew we'd bit. get here though. Um Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. All the Tonight Show people, I can't remember them all, Colbert. So they're all going to do a podcast uh-huh. to talk uh-huh. about the rider strike and how things have been. Like now they're going to podcast form. It's like, oh, so, oh, dude, once they start making money like on that, they'll probably never come back to TV. No. I, nobody watches that shit. Nobody. Oh, dude, po- podcasting for a comedian's like heroin. Once they start, they won't stop. Well, now they can they have won't. guests on there. Dude, well, then, Conan's then we'll, podcast is great. Well, it's gonna it's gonna it's turn the best into... form for him as doing Look, a show. Fuck the commercials. Fuck thirty minutes. You know, forty five minutes with commercials. I mean, you get really a whole really as long as you want to go. Usually an hour, and they just talk and they can say whatever they want to say. It's off the script. It's, yeah, but it's, it's the gonna, best. It, it, it sure it's the best, but at the same time. You know these assholes are going to try to copy the same formula we've been seeing. Like they're going to fucking come out, have some for sure. sort of guest, or oh. do some free form uh, conversations. Yeah, talk to their then it's going to somebody else. Then it's going to or... turn it. Then it's going to turn into yeah, like, oh, well, listen to done. this show where it's just this guy, or listen to this show where it's just this dude, instead of it all being one big thing and you know being being what it should be, which is a band aid for the strike at the moment. Mm-hmm. But they're going to get that little drip of fucking revenue in. They're going to be oh, like, oh yeah. They'll now we've got off. the late night talk show podcast universe. I mean, they just look at anybody else that does. I mean, dude, most of them probably have some form of thing, but mo- these guys don't. I think it's exclusive. Right. You'll hear them on other podcasts, but Conan's yeah. been doing it. He started his podcast way before he got off TV, you know, 10 years isn't ago. It called, isn't it like yeah. Conan needs a friend? Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing shit from the Oh, he's been blowing that. up with it. Well, dude, that that show that they're working on is from the podcast. I mean, really, it's a radio show. It's I mean, serious. dude, Conan O'Brien's parting oh. from broadcast cable is legendary. And, like, no one ever brings it up. And I know because for a long time it was all that, that people talked about yeah. outside of, like, you know, current events and shit. When it was going down, I remember, you know. But... That was such a big fucking deal. Like, a or ABC Fox whoever, or NBC. Yeah, that fucked yeah. him over hard, well, man. It did, but at the same time, he got another show and he got like forty million dollars, I think, or something. But when crazy. your dream is to have Johnny have Carson's show, yeah, a year after like years of he like got being paid, like, though, man. Yeah. Oh, of course he got a seven. And I mean, he came out on top. Because everybody was like, fuck Jay Leno. <laughs> yeah, right. It's fucked up. Dude, they told him the show will still be the show. You just have to move it back an hour. And he's like, 
Well, then it won't be the Tonight Show. It'll be the Tomorrow Show. That was his answer. Ooh. No, I don't want to do that. That's the Tomorrow Show. Who's going to watch that? People in the future. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> got TV voted. But, dude, he, he got paid. Oh, yeah. What, what, what was his What was his severance pay? Do you remember? I think it was around. It had to be like 40 or 50. I mean, it was the contract they promised him. and I mean, it was enough that he could just buy some mics and start recording people, and he's living just fine. Yeah, well, he went and did that <laughs> other show. I mean, that ran... Yes, a long time. I'll always, I'll always miss late, like late, ended late. Not too long ago. I always miss the late night show with Conan O'Brien, man. Year yeah. two thousand oh, yeah, bits, it. fucking Trump, the insult comic dog. When he was actually funny. Mm-hmm. Conan was um, my late night guy. Oh uh, yeah, I and, and Ferguson and. Well, I'll do Ferguson. I'd watch a little Letterman and them in there, but their their comedy style was more, you know. Well, I like that Conan O'Brien's been on TV since the seventies. He had like as far as the musical guest, he had everyone. Yeah, like there was no, there wasn't a common thread of the same shit. Yes, exactly. And the fact that he allowed them to sing the Heretic anthem on broadcast cable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like at the time that it happened, kind of remarkable in hindsight, man. I still remember the bit they did. They were like, we double put, we thought we booked Slipknot, but here's Slap Nuts or something. It was something like that, falling uh, on your nuts, fall nuts. It was something they had these dudes that came out and saying, anyway. I mean, <laughs> essentially, essentially anyone that any. Anyone that the younger generations has played a fucking guitar hero or a rock band song to, Conan O'Brien had him on there. And that's cool, man. That's cool that he was very open to all of that shit. It wasn't it wasn't the same indie rock or R and B person every fucking week. Or a rapper that couldn't even say half his fucking lyrics because he's on live TV, you know? Oh shit! You so, backed it uh, in twenty twenty one. So fun fact here: I just saw this trailer here. You dropped Trev. Uh, uh, my name's going to be in the credits if you look in movie news. There, I gave him five bucks when he was trying to hawk well, it on. Uh, I was like, I'll put five bucks in your mouth, you know. Hey, I've already seen the trailer. I don't know if y'all have. Mm-mm. Um, I got money a notification well that it was coming, you know, that it was because I get them on there. Yeah. I get emails all the time. Here's an update video. And I'm like, just put my name in the credits like you promised. Uh, you know? Yeah. Money well spent, man. Like he, he, he budgeted himself. The movie looks really well. The movie looks well made for being just him and a handful of people throwing yeah. it together. Well, he had a half a million dollars. I mean, and you, I mean, well, you know, a lot of times. A lot of times people will make that kind of money and you yeah. won't see it in the product, you know? Um, I mean, it's a comedy. Yeah. I saw it and, well, this you know, is a, uh, I mean, I love, I, I, don't I fucking, I love the fucking character that he made for this movie. Like he, it's the guy from all the YouTube videos, yeah. you know, them Arby's boys, you know, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be a fun romp, man. All right, three, two, one, play.
Oh. Man, this dude's just fucking. <laughs> the Abaddon. I mean, we got potlocked on this, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Patty Slinger? I'll tell you what happened man. one night I was on YouTube and he was he was live streaming and I saw it and clicked on it and he was on there begging because <laughs> it was about to run out the Kickstarter and he's like if we don't hit this fucking 500,000 I'm not going to get it you know yeah and I went I was like I'll fucking throw him five bucks and he he had pulling quite a bit That's cool. Yeah, I kind of want to peep that. I like that character. I like, I've always enjoyed his videos. So, yeah. This is something that I'm excited about. Cockbender. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we've got fucking dude that did Manhunter. Fight Club Seven. I mean, is this Fast Bender perfection? I hope. I, I do really too. Hope. I don't. Did Did we ever podlock on a movie he did called Frank? I've heard of it, but we haven't watched it. Wears a big paper mache mask the whole movie. I heard you praise it. Really good movie. Yeah, 2014, it's got the dude from Ex Machina in it. Mm. Yeah. Dumb Hall Gleason. Yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Was that the <laughs> one he showed his junk in? Shame. That's what that movie oh, okay. is, I think. Yeah, I heard that was a big bub about that. Yeah. People but, were like, uh, did you see the size of the credits? But Frank's oh, really good. Um, 
good little indie film. You know how like um what was the black metal movie with the Culkin in it? Yeah. Lord the, Lords yeah. of Chaos. It imagine it's Lords of Chaos, but the indie quirky version. Okay. So like Beck. Um, <laughs> like it, yeah like it, it culminates to just a gooky a gooky <laughs> i don't know sorry a goofy it's like a goofy kid that just wants to make music um oh. type of film where it's frank like it's just like like fast Bender's character like and the whole thing is he wears this paper mache hat and he don't take that thing off for nothing dude and every time he'll go into like a club or a venue or whatever, hey, what's with the mess? And he'll hold out his hand, like talk to him. He'll be like, stop, I've got papers. And <laughs> like that's his response to it. And he just keeps walking. And everyone's just cool with it, you know? That's why yeah, they're going to pick a role where he wears that the whole time. That's, that's honestly the main reason I watched the movie. I was like, yeah. this has got to be a good enough film narrative wise for him to be like. And it was- I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a big, there is a a sequence where eventually you get the face reveal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the first 75% of the movie, masks don't come off. Right. The killer. All right. Three, two, one, play. It's in a fucking basement. There's windows. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah. I'm thinking he's back, guys. Kind of got a little Dexter vibe to him. Yeah. Don't improvise. Fuck it, I'm improvising. I mean, I want to watch it. Yes, absolutely. It looks like he's dealing with some shit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's got to stick to the plan, apparently. Yeah. I mean, I know how he's that like, is. What's, what's in it for you? Yeah, right. <laughs> stick to oh, the you plan. Be those. selfish. Stick to the plan. Um, the, book. the book of Clarence. Okay, hang on. <laughs> Yeah, you, yeah, you got some heart. explaining. You got uh, some explaining to do. Yeah, this is a Sony Pictures movie. It dropped fourteen hours ago, but the um, the harder they fall, mm-hmm. that director made this movie, and I also saw that Jay Z. Oh, it's all, it's right down there in the Jay Z's a producer. It's got some of his music in it. Okay. Cool. 
Um, I mean, it's Black Jesus. Okay. But not a comedy. You'll see. Okay. I mean, I mean, is it a long lost book? It's just dare I say? I don't know. Okay. It's one of but the shout out to Black Jesus. Stone Tag. Make Great a show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real, it is a good show. Y'all ready? Oh, yeah. Three, two, one, play. I hate these little pre things like the trailer starts now. <laughs> Jerusalem. I think that dude on the banks was smoking something. That's something you never really see in stuff as old as people smoking. Oh, look. <laughs> Is this a street hood movie done in Jerusalem? We're like, man, I will be like Jesus, bro. It's a simple plan, man. <laughs> like the only three black people around there were there. Always using this guy. Mm. I mean, he is smoking. Because you never. Is that the beast? It is. Oh. Watch this. Octave Prince remix. This <laughs> is not aimed at me, so I don't know. Oh, it look looks interesting. interesting. It looks like it might be a comedy. Yeah. I mean I mean him smoking, like I mean, it'll turn into a comedy in like yeah. the third act. That dude's good on Atlanta. I've said that before. He's good so, at everything I've seen. So, yeah. so what's good about Atlanta? Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm a, not. It's it's I mean, so. Just, what's his name? Uh, I can't well, like, what's even a, begin what, What's give me? Can you sum it up in one nah, sentence? I'll tell you later. Oh. I'm not going there. I want some <laughs> Is it just hood shit from Atlanta? No, nah, not really. It, it it starts that way. I mean, well, I'll talk it to it. Oh, so it's like well, it's Childish Gambino that directed it. It's so uh, it's already going to be off the wall. I mean, he so it's a lot show, of this is America. It. No, but it is okay. America. He's like, this is Atlanta. Fair enough. I'll leave it at that. Get you slipping up. The Expendables, Expendables, number four. Yeah, another it's a one. Bunch of, bunch of those guys. All right, three, two, one, play. I th- I don't think I've watched the third one. I've only seen the first one. So, boom. Oh God! Can't stop making shitty movies. 
Come on, they brought the trailer guy back. Rated R. Statham's going to get up in that Megan box, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, it's just a group of guys killing the bussy and eating the pussy, y'all. You heard him. That's a great idea. <laughs> what are you ever playing? I ain't playing no more. Yeah. I'd rather watch this than uh, Fast and Furious. I mean, it's a weird tone for an Expendables movie, but okay. Well, the first Expendables came out and it was like bloody and gory and it was so popular that they wanted them to make two and three PG-13 so that they could sell more tickets. And there was a whole big blow up over that. And like the fan, like people were boycotting the movie because they wasn't making an R rated, you know, action throwback action movie. So that's what they can't say. Fuck. Boo. What what's weird here is like the CGI and the green screen mm-hmm. work doesn't look good. Like the trailer doesn't look like the movie's finished. Case in point, the scene with Fifty Cent and the gun. It looks like oh, he's yeah. in front of a that painting. Yeah. So I mean, Megan Fox splayed out on a bed. Sure, I guess, but that can only get us so far. I mean, yeah. dude, yeah, unless there's Bumblebee. Oh. Oh man, that's low, Adam. I mean, you can just Google it. Yeah, Megan hey, Fox dude, on the bed. Hey, 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 hey. We, <laughs> we keep Google out of this. I don't. <laughs> You're like Google. You, come here, my you, bitch. You <laughs> fucking Googleist. That's what you are. I'll be sometimes. I'll be back there late at night in my room googling myself. <laughs> I'm a Googler. He's back there googling. You just can't leave the QWERTY alone, can you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Google person? what this wallpaper is. Is this a sequel to Wilfred? Maybe. I hope. I hope it's a smart-ass fucking cat. It's like, what you fucking doing, bitch? Why'd you put it on that windowsill? Well, you guys are in for a disappointment I imagine you I imagine you're doing that on drop the trailer in the bag and you're like a disappointment and then you just fucking haul no, ass that's what you have in mind now it's a movie but yeah. it ain't, it ain't Wilfred it's probably about some shut in bitch with about a million cats she can't find love that's and in over one. a 90 minutes some dude's like I'm gonna teach you how to love anything but a cat that's it Let's let's do it. All right, three, two, one, play. At one Sundance, of course it's that. (laughs) 
I'm the quirky woman that works at the movies, but I never watch movies. Adds to my quirkiness. The tone changes. <laughs> Hi, I'm a 35-year-old woman that still texts on her phone like she's 16. Dude, this bitch has probably got red flags all over her, and that dude is fucking creepy. (laughs) Just wait. Let it ride. Let it cook. Yeah. Is this this Zoe Deschanel? No, it's just trying to... No, the actress. No. Is she pregnant? Yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah, The tone changed, the music changed. Oh, God. It's one of those movies. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) This is a movie where men are fucking stupid and we're gonna hate them provocative Oh, God. Ah! Fuck this movie. So is it a comedy or a horror movie? It looks like a snooze. It looks like a genuine snooze fest, Griffin. I don't think the genre is going to save it. Trav, we were just talking about the rest of these trailers, too. (laughs) We were just talking about going to the movies and watching this together. What happened? I mean, I I mean, (laughs) no, canceled. Canceled. Canceled? I will never watch this movie with you, Griffin. This is garbage. I wouldn't even let you pay for my ticket. It looks that bad, dude. I was going to buy popcorn. I mean, dude, I'll <laughs> eat the fucking popcorn. Guys. We can, dude, we can. Y'all hey, suck Griffin. each other's dick over it. <laughs> hey, that comes later, Adam. You shut the fuck up. We're, getting, we're going to get popcorn. We're going to sit on the steps. We're going to look at the movie posters, and we're going to go, hey, that's probably a better movie we watch. Hey, that hands. one, too. Hey, that one's starring Kevin Hart. I bet it was fucking funny. <laughs> Are y'all gonna sit in the same seat like next to each other? Griffin's gonna like That's Adam's gonna pop his head out the fucking door. Hey, are you done? J- <laughs> that movie over there is, you know, nah. Mads. I think it's mads. the I think it's the discount Billy Eilish that pissed me off about that trailer. I'm the monster under your bed. <laughs> we got the Mads. Mads in the Promised Land. Is this song. another Jesus movie? No. Oh, okay. No. Oh. I'm like, Mads Mickelson's playing Jesus? Griffin, you, Griffin you, you, you free Sunday for this one? Yeah, always. Cool. I'll get the blue chew. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, I'm gonna count it now. Three, two, one, play. It came out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> What's funny is y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's a podcast. Hell yeah, no. No, y'all saw that fucking y'all saw that ad on X where it's like that woman being like, "Oh yeah, the ball chair. Yeah, the chew," and then she comes yeah. out with a fucking walker, and he's like, "You all right? Off a little bit." This is like the foreign. There will be blood. Off with Shishin Shining Civilization. We're going to burn it down. No, this is. Is that Matt? Smith? I dig the dialogue already. Nah, it looks like him, but I don't think it's him. Yeah. It does look like him, though. That's the same thing I thought. Nah. I don't know what's going on. I mean,. War is chaos. God is chaos. That's all I follow. Yeah, that jacket has a lot of buttons. That's why I'd say, why you got so many buttons? Oh, goddamn. I want to go back to a back in time to a Victorian era tailor and be like, what the fuck were you thinking, dude? He's like, my name is Mr. Buttons. We're going to wear five coats today. What is it? June. Why does that one guy look like Matt Smith? You must it's sacrifice everything to eat grapes at this manner. Sunderstorms, wine, empty fields, dead bodies. It's such a wretched land. But it's promised to you. So Matt <sighs> got some land. Matt Smith's understudy wants the land. They're I mean, having a having Victorian a sh- shenanigans abound. It's going to be a lot of fine dining and a lot of shit talk. Have you ate your Brussels sprouts? Yes. Have you killed my daughter? Wait. <laughs> this... Okay, I remember us talking about this Daisy Ridley movie. Oh, dude, it's Ray Skywalker, y'all. I mean, Palpatine. I mean, it's that chick. I'm interested in checking this out. I mean, this opening shot looks like it's from straight up from Nat Geo, so yeah, let's do it. Three, two, one, play. The Winding River. Humanity. It's for our broke ass. We only live in a fucking cardboard box, mother. Is this her American accent? Ooh. Relevance. Mm. Ooh, that was a cool shot. Too bad it's not going to be a cool movie. (laughs) 
bald guy on a four-wheeler in the woods, totally trespassing. Oh, God, this is one of those, my daddy was a main son, bitch. It's one of them movies. Oh, shit, is that the dad? I have to tap into my childhood instincts to survive my daddy's curse. I'm pretty sure the guy who made the soundtrack for this movie, or at least for the trailer score, it's like he was playing Mario 64 because he straight up took the baseline from the Bowser level. <laughs> it was just funny because I was watching the end of the credits while you were doing that, where it's like, it's just. This it is fits. the video that made it. This is this. It this is fits, that. yeah. Right? Taylor made. I, I busted out the fucking measurements, too. I was like, you have a broad shoulder, sir. I have a three-piece that'll fit nicely. Give me a week. So, a movie about the power of friendship. <laughs> Let's do this, y'all. Amazon Studios. It's a Bezos flick. Damn. I hope you like one of these trailers at least. <laughs> no, you like the I, first I, one, right? <laughs> no, no. I, didn't, I mean, no. I've, I... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they were all garbage. Even yeah, mine. We're I mean... fucking strictly honest here. The first one was a ripoff to Nation's D fucking there. movie. The Riders Dragon is really yeah, in the hole. Yeah, get back. Do your job. damn job, Hollywood. It took me three days to find the final trailer. Goddamn. <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking. No. All I right, mean, this three, is why the Cracker Barrel exists, y'all. Two, one, play. Amazon this is sci fi. He's wearing a helmet. I think that's the chick from Lovely Bones. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> turn right. what, a random, what a random pull is that her? the chick from the lovely bones I think it is I think it is dude she's a lot older now you never forget to face not I'll take mundane lobs for 200, Alex. <laughs> We're talking about you, Dick Wad. All right, I want the chromatic scale. All right, next note. 
That dude's discount Daniel Radcliffe. What? Based on the best-selling novel. Because everything... You goddamn right I do. Leave that bitch there and let me have the fun. What? Well, it did say it was in the year 20, what, 62 or 5? Yeah, 2065. That's fucking, I mean, that's a cool as fuck idea, man. Well, like, because, I mean, see, this is a, a sci-fi movie I would at least give a shot. No, it's Amazon Studios. Oh, yeah, because it's <laughs> Jeff, fucking, yeah. Jeff Cox fucking Bezos. <laughs> give me Jeff. You did it, I give bet me. It's all, I bet it's all Blue Origin Tech, too, that's in the movie. Yeah. Um, it's a straight rip off a fucking Outer Edge. No, but, like, no, those movies where, you know, you have, like, a 10, 15-year gap between the present day yeah, and like it is so goddamn high tech. So, you're like, yeah. holy shit, you know. Well, it kind of I like the idea that kind of vibe. Yeah, like 2075 yeah. is not going to be that fucking different from now. I mean, synaptic touch screens are probably going to be a little bit pretty badass, yeah. pretty fucking balling, I would say. But like, you're going to live in the same goddamn house that that people been living in for fucking a hundred years. You know what I mean? Like all that low, all the shit that don't need to be fixed that probably should is not going to. There's not going to be smart highways where we I get to sit in a car and go take me to take me to Dirt Lord's house. And yeah. They're like, all right, get some snacks, and I'm like, okay. Well, it says that Hannon Junior. Farm a secluded piece of land that has been in Junior's fan for family for generations. But their quiet life is thrown into turmoil when an uninvited stranger shows up at their door with a startling proposal. So I'm guessing that the the whole idea is they're living out there. They well, they need him to go Mm -hmm. into space for whatever reason, and then they're like, "Well, we'll replace him with a robot." And it's probably like them breaking down over time. Trailer did not give that away at all. Yeah. Because they at one point they they said that he's like I don't want to be replaced with a robot and he's like well do you want her to be all alone while you're gone or something like that so oh so uh, it's like we're gonna have a we're gonna have a robot that acts like you yeah it would so be like she's a still she's like can I turn it off oh. yeah <laughs> can I give it the Bluetooth get it off but yeah oh he doesn't need Bluetooth ma'am Tickling that's palm. a button now ma'am yeah but uh. Um, you're a fucking liar, Adam. You didn't tell me you found a Bill Burr movie. Ah. <laughs> you told me you were like, man, it's dried up. Dude, yeah. there's a trickle of water. No, this is water. good. Well, I like the trailer. I, I mean, I hope this up. is like, I hope it's some Rango shit, man. It's only a minute, but the what I, little bit I saw, I'm trying to watch a movie while I'm doing this too on my phone, you know? I mean, dude, you're doing the Lord's work. Well. You're holding the attention span. You're doing quantum, quantum. I uh, mean, you gotta have this. some bad trailers too. You know. I mean, hey, if they were all listen, bangers. Even if they were bad, you get the fucking. 
Hey, I mean, do either of you get enjoyment out of watching a movie so bad it's good? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there you go. I just don't get around to it a lot. I mean, I mean, neither do I, but I appreciate that it's there. Yeah. Every now and then I'll catch one and I'm like, oh. Yeah. I mean, this is so bad. Not quite as, not quite as free as it was in the younger years. It's like, I'm going to watch this movie. It looks stupid as shit, but I'm going to watch it. I got 90 minutes to burn instead of calories, but whatever. Bill Burr and Sandler. I, what a weird I, team. I, I want to see this. If it's anything like the trailer, I'm going to watch it. Well, it's podlock it anyway. Let's right. podlock it. If, you, if, oh, if dude, it gets when it the trailer on, goes off, if you're it, gonna be like, here's, here's the thing. Anytime I hear you, anytime oh, I, I hear, anytime I fucking now. hear, I'm gonna watch it anyway. Come yeah. out of your mouth. I watch a lot of shit anyway, though. I want, yeah. Well, I mean, I want to pod like this one though. Like, yeah. you're like, hey man, I'm gonna watch the shit anyway. Fucker. Fuck y'all, but it's like, no, Let's fuck see. you. We're watching it with you. We're gonna have comments. I'm bringing no, notes. Like I'm bringing this. the fucking iPod. It's funny. <laughs> All right. Let's hit play. All right. Three, two, one, play. Already in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Fucking beautiful dreamer. Yeah, look. Look. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, dude. I know this is for fucking kids, man. Right here. Oh god. I mean, we had on. to have a reference. But when you Adam know Sandler's... it's going to be full of shit. That's well, dude, I'm hoping that we can get on some level some good Bill Burr rants in oh, here. Oh, yeah. Like, just a moment where they're like, all right, here's the scene, here's the dilemma. Bill, just fucking yeah. go with it, man. All right, Bill, you're a turtle. You're a pissed off turtle. You ain't going anywhere. You kind of like yourself. Fucking just go with it. Kind of genius to have them stuck in that. That's a whole movie. They're just them in there watching the class. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. Shit happening. Like, good. Who can't, you know, you're sitting around. It's a turtle and iguana. They're in a, a class. What? Yeah, it's fucking Bill Bird, Adam Sandler. Oh, okay, yeah. Are you getting pissed off, Bill? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of wondering why I even <laughs> yeah, came in for this fucking, fucking audition. And they're like, well, good, because that's exactly what we need for the role. I was yeah. hoping you'd say that. Scanda trailer. Here's here Here is the twist of the final act of adam's trailer reel <laughs> like this is the twist right here i'm waiting so, I'm, I'm well it's you know we always do this it's just the amount it's only two minutes but watch how many times this guy does something that looks at the camera just like you know how i mean do dude that? i'm i mean dude i'm squirting luberderm in griffin's hand right now <laughs> what <laughs> I, I mean dude let's do it bro all right three two one play <laughs> 
Come on. <laughs> Where I'm from, I do not dance. I punch. Well, where I'm from, all I do is dance. You mean we can dance and punch at the same time? That sounds like some Ableton Live reverb. This motherfucker said Anaconda, y'all. Tone shift. Imagine a Bollywood Evil Dead. Oh, God. There's probably one. Look at this guy. <laughs> a film <laughs> about a man you forget being about told to, see me to mow the yard. Why is everybody's eyes so red? <laughs> They're high as fuck. Look at that. <laughs> I mean, dude, come on. Look at this guy. His eyes are red. Come on, dude. Everybody on set have pink eye. The fight scenes huh. always look like I could just step away and go buy, buy that badass vape next door. <laughs> Come on. This dude. It's just over there. They got all that shit off of Bud K. Oh, Good old Bollywood. Never fails. I mean, it makes me want to go like buy like really gross food from a vendor and be like, I'm here for Skanda, dude. You're like, you're white, aren't you? I'm like, huh, did the pale skin not f give it away? Yeah, like we're at, we're at one of those like little vendor. You, you smell the, you sell the smelly fruit somewhere around here, right? Is it like that one way off over there? And it's some decrepit old fuck sitting there going like, you want some of this smelly fruit? Oh, what they call that shit? That Duran? Yeah. What is it? Duran fruit? They call it something like that. Yeah, like they, they yeah, crack that bitch fruit, open like dude. a pineapple and it's They're like, like it's God stinks, damn. It's delicious. It's like, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like we grew it in the fresh toilet water. Too, you know? Yeah. It stinks, but it's delicious. It's called what are we going to watch on the next one? The sequel to the Goonies. So no episode. Yep. <laughs> Off week. I'm fine. Nah. Whatever. <clears throat> I mean, is that is it good? Yep. <clears throat> I mean, so, I feel like it's an honorable mention here, you guys. I know we're at the end of it. I know everybody's like, oh, I gotta go. But like, just hear me out. Um... I was bored as shit, and I started watching the Russian Avengers movie called Guardians. And it was so goddamn bad, dude. I was I was laughing. Like, everything down to, like, the cold opening where, like, some shit happens, and they're like, what are we going to do, guys? And, like, in Avengers, you know, he's all like, "This Maria, this is a level. What are going to do? We're at war. 
And it's like, Avengers. Well, in this one, it's like, you know, what are we going to do? Guardians. And, like, down to the point where, like, their version of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fucking organization called Patriot, which is laughable. But, so, here's the logic of this movie. Back in the Cold War, they experimented on a lot of people. You got the guy who turns into the Hulk. He turns into a bear. You got the speedster. He runs with sots. Like, you know, the propaganda is fucking everywhere. So the government experimented on all these motherfuckers. And then they have like their shield version team or whatever. Be like, all right, guys, you got to go get all of them to save Russia. And it's like, hmm. Bet they're lining up to fucking do that. And never mind the fact that the opening credits where it's all like this really shitty fucking pop song where it's a woman all like, you gotta protect the world, you gotta defend it, blah, 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 blah. And it's like Stalin statues fucking everywhere. Like, it's just, it's fucking stupid. It sucked. It was shitty. And I cut it off after 30 minutes. But. (laughs) <laughs> got a cheap laugh after it yeah i mean dude it's that bad griffin like you'll be like dude i mean i would say build a drinking game around every time they try to mirror an iconic shot from the avengers movie and you're gonna be drunk as shit within the first 40 minutes dude i mean sounds like a good time for crying out loud, the expos like you know how most Marvel films is like, all right, we're gonna get the hero's journey throughout the movie. But we're also gonna kind of get little like beats of why the villain is the way he is. Mm-hmm. No, they cut to the chase in this motherfucker. It's just a briefing room, and they're like, "This guy's Orlando Fox, and he was experimented on, and he got <laughs> electrocuted. And now he controls shit. Yeah, this is the plot. Better stop him." <laughs> Better stop him or he's going to do bad stuff. It's like, all right. But once again, kind of like with Ahsoka, uh, the only reason that I held on did is because it's like the fucking misogynist part of my brain was like, you know, fucking there she is, you know, but (laughs) it is what it is. It sucked. Well, the, what are we uh, watching next week, guys? <laughs> well, Indiana Jones is available. You really want to watch that garbage? Well, I want to do. Are you form. saying you ain't ever gonna watch it? I mean, you I guess I'll do it, it for the. <laughs> Funny you ask, Adam. I'll do it for the pod. <laughs> well, I mean, here's here's what I'm thinking. See what you guys are picking up what I'm putting down here. Ne- next week will be the first week of September, right? Mm-hmm. We can do, we can do and double up on one of them if y'all want oh, to. Oh, you want to watch two movies, Griffin? You got that kind of time? Well, I'm thinking we'd do a, a, a Indiana, a indie month, but not okay. like an indie movies, like an Indiana Jones month. Oh, you, wait, you want to watch uh, Raiders we, and Temple one week and then flesh it out the rest? Well, I think we do. I think we do Raiders. And then I think we do, dude. If we if we have an Indiana Jones month and we and we exclude Raiders instead of uh, Last Crusade or Crystal Skull, no, I'm we gotta watch pissed. them all. Oh, yeah. oh, oh I'm absolutely all. on point with you. I mean, dude, straight Pokemon. I'll with this leave. Shit. 
if we yeah, watch them all. I believe with you. I'll open <laughs> like, the doors on your way out and follow yeah, behind you, dude. Hold, I'll and hold it for you. Slam it. I'll be like, that's what you get, Griffin, and uh-huh. slam it. Lubriderm well, and Blue Chew's in the top <laughs> drawer, fucker, and slam the door, you know? Well, here's what I'm thinking, all right? So we do all of the Indiana Jones movies because in October, yeah. on Octo- October the 31st, will mm-hmm. be on Tuesday, which is when we'll be doing the pod on oh, Halloween, wow. right? Okay, so, where are you getting at? So we are can we do all... Like, no. no. <laughs> we can do all the Indiana Jones movies without doubling up, and then we'll still be able to hammer out four horror movies for October. Man, do we really got to go for horror films, though, man? I mean, it's spook, spooked October. October. Ah. Such a tradition. Okay. <laughs> Just for, you love horror movies. What the okay. fuck? <laughs> so let's I mean, get into some joints, dude. Let's get into some yeah, like, dude, for real. Let's get into some. That. I don't know, poltergeist or you know, let's go deep. Yeah, okay. hey, I'm let's down. not pick off get, the top. Hey, give me the month of September. Hey, and, I think and last I'll... time we did the was it the Jason movies. No, we did Halloween. We yeah. did Halloween, that's right. Well, yeah. to commemorate the fucking uh, arrival 13th on nah, the let's wait for man. that to come out. Let's... Well, how about we fucking just... How about I cultivate a list, and you guys cultivate one, and if the if we have one that makes the list on all three, obviously it's we a given. the same, okay. That's, but, like, oh. you know, and then we, we take some and we... We do a little bit of a crunch, like we do, like we haven't make a seen segment. The, the great ones, like the Exorcist, or oh, you know, I love. Yeah, so that that'll work. So we'll we'll watch all. Let's do all the indie movies, like all five October. Start next week, yeah. And then between now and that last indie movie, we'll make a list of the hey. four four movies we want to watch. In, I'm like, saying, how about this? we're gonna go in we go in hard we go hard as fuck dude and we pick the four most controversial horror films in the fucking industry and i'm gonna save one of them just to have it under our belt and get it over with i say we watch salo because it is absolutely a horror film not in the not in the boo ah type of shit but more in like the what the fuck type of shit Yes, it is a fucking awful film. You guys will get no entertainment value out of it. I guarantee it. But it is a fucked up movie. And if we're going to watch a super fucked up movie, October's the best month for it. And, up movie too. and so far, I have not seen a film top Salo. I can't say that. Now, unlike some of those pussies on the internet that watch it and they throw the fuck up and everything, like... It ain't that goddamn bad. I don't think any movie is that fucking bad. Mm. But when you watch it, you'll be like, all right. Like, the bar is set so high that, like, gross shit's not going to ever fuck with you again. I can't say that much. So what do you guys say? Roll the dice? No, we're watching Indiana Jones. Yeah, man, dial a fucking dicking down. I no, mean, we're Destiny. doing the, the first one. Oh, we gotta watch them temple. in order, right? Yeah, yeah. The temple, doing... the temple are raping their asses. Oh. No, we're doing Raiders, dude. 
that is one of my all-time favorite movies, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like all fucking time. Like if there's a top five, like all right, Travis, life's shit. You're fucking on an island yeah. now. Raiders of the Lost Ark's one of them. And if yeah. I ain't got it, it's gonna be a. I'm gonna be mad for a little bit, at least a week. Yeah. <laughs> So we do Raiders. Then well, I mean, after a week, more important shit's going to start kicking in. But, you know. Yeah, like, why am I eating (laughs) coconuts again? Like, Because you're Coco Loco, dude. At that point, I'm going to be fucking, like, making stick people like the Mighty Boosh. I got to put up some shelving. Coco Loco is the name of that episode. It's fucking great, man. But, yeah, I'm... I haven't watched... I haven't watched the Indiana Jones movies in many years so i'm excited i love raiders oh it's still watched it you know the last time i revisited it was like about three or four years ago i was like i always get in this weird kick sometimes around the holidays like i'll pull up movies that used to be Mm -hmm. on marathon you know yeah and during like the fourth of july it's either fourth of july or thanksgiving but uh amc would have uh all the indiana jones playing all day and so I kept the spirit of that going one time and watched Raiders today. And I mean, dude, how, I mean, I loved it as much then as I did the first time I ever watched it, dude. Yeah. Great. The movie. Ark of the fucking Covenant. Yeah. Don't I'll actually it. try to, I'll actually try to uh, deep dive on some Ark shit that, uh, to, to talk about when, you know, we, we get around to it next week. Like, I got some yeah. cool little things I've seen and, you know, little oddball stuff that, you know, it's just fun to talk about. Hell yeah. Let's so where's it. the check, Adam? That's in the mail. Check the <laughs> post office, fuckers. Blue Chew. Isn't that right next door to it. <laughs>